and welcome to here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that will try to be nice to movies, but may indeed having to slice and dice them each and every month. There's a thing, and as it's me, I'm doing mega movies, putting a little queer in your fear. Also, this is part of the summer of same sex. Tonight, I'm covering the queer anomaly of the Where on Elm Street series, Freddy's Revenge. Yes, that was a pun. Also, this is the gay nightmare. Am I right? Well, that's what I'm here to discover. This was a rushed-out sequel, which Wes Craven didn't want, as he hated the idea of Freddy in the quote-unquote real world. That has a gender-flipped quote, final girl, and a gay subtext that, in some cases, is not subtext. The original idea, now some of you have heard this one before, was for a newlywed couple to move into the Elm Street house, the mum to be pregnant, and Fred used the unborn baby's dreams to get into the quote, real world. Hmm, this was scrapped over because it was thought to be too cerebral for a sexually confused teen and Fred using him to get into the quote, real world. Let's just lay ourselves down to sleep and pray I won't slice us up too deep. With its $3 million budget, this thing pulled in $30 million and was doomed a flop. Hmm. Starring Mark Patton, Kim Myers, Robert Russell, Chloe Gallagher and Robert England. Directed by Jack Schlauder. The plot, five years after events of Nightmare on Street Part 1, that drew Nancy Insane, or drove rather Nancy Insane, a new family has moved into 1428 Elm Street. The teenage son who may or not be gay, is having nightmares of Freddy. Freddy is slowly taking over the teen to break into the real world. Can this teen, with help of his <coughs> a girlfriend, find out who Freddy was and stop him before it's too late and the teen is fully possessed? A find out here. So, after the logos, this opens up on a nightmare as all of these do, making none of these movies happen in the quote-unquote real world. It's all a nightmare on Elm Street, hence the name. To a school bus being driven by Robert England as Freddy scratches up the title. Why is this called Freddy's Revenge? He doesn't skip revenge from the survivors of the first movie. It's a whole new set of teens because, meh, who cares. Also, what's with the whole Will song and fucking arty-farty New Age music that's played throughout this bloody thing? It's fucking weird. Where's the piano tune for crying out loud? I mean, hmm. As the school bus slowly empties of teens, and why the fuck would Freddy let, let souls get out for, for free? I mean, isn't the souls a source of power? Hmm. Does the driver start going off the rails, and indeed off the beaten path? Not before we're introduced to Jesse, played by Mark Patton. Get it, Jesse, because he's a gay guy. Funny, haha. Also, he's the new Nancy. Funny, teehee. Ugh, God. Gender flip. Ah, yes, the sign of a bloody rushed out bad sequel. Now, I am aware he did a documentary on Nightmare Street 2, which is on Shudder. However, Shudder being a bunch of fucking dicks, decided to read and lock this, and I can't watch it in Britain. Because guess what? Shudder isn't all that. I mean, for fuck's sake. In Britain, that is. It's not worth the bloody well money. I already have most of the fucking movies and I've seen everything else on the bloody thing. Plus, if you, I don't like Joe Bob or Billy Bob, what the fuck his name is, I just don't like him. I mean, I'll stick with Ivira, thank you very much. Anyway, now that I've pissed off the fucking Joe Bob fanboys and I need the fucking Shudder sponsor, 
No, that's going to ever happen anyway, because I'm not going to be a sellout for it. Jessie, the loner nerd, is sitting at the back of the bus as two bitchy girls tease and mock him for his greasy appearance. Not to worry, however, the bus goes off the road into the desert and all hell breaks loose, literally, as the sands fall and hell opens up. As you could see, Freddy is giving them one hell of a ride. The bus stops perched on a crumbling spire of rocks as Freddy slowly approaches the terrified teens, tearing up the seats with his claws, scratching the bus roof, screeching fear into the heart of Jesse. He suddenly wakes up screaming just as Freddy was about to tear up his ass. Here we meet Jesse's family, Mr. Walsh, played by Glue Gallagher, the father of John Gallagher, a fucking nutjob director. Mrs. Walsh, played by Hope Lang, and little sister, Angela, played by Christy Clark. I love the fact that Jad just gets pissed off as Jesse screams awake, while his mum just sits there and rolls her eyes, as her little sister asks, Why can't Jesse wake up like a normal person? Because he's a screamer love. Also, I'm loving the non-PC Fu Manchu cereal, with the fake fingernails which spook Jesse. Anyway, in his bedroom, which is a fucking pigsty, Jesse rearranges the boys in a gratuitous bald shot. I guess that's the male version of putting on a bra. Shown in most of the 80s and fucking 90s horror movies then. Hmm. Anyway, how long have they been living in this house? He is a new kid in school, yet he has a girlfriend, slash fat hag, and a frenemy. Hmm, how long have they been staying in this house for? I mean, this room's a fucking dump. Oh my god. Uh, also, his father is fixing stuff around the house. I mean, hmm... Also, if Jesse has been waking up screaming for weeks, maybe get him some help. Hmm. One thing I never got about this movie is what's with the heat in Jesse's bedroom? Is it because he's a flaming queen? Or is it supposed to be the heat from Freddy's boiler room? If that is so, then why didn't Nancy complain about the heat? Hmm. Moving on to Lisa, played by Kim Myers, Jesse's girlfriend, Fighthag Beard. Poor girl, thinking she'll be the one that will turn him straight. Here's what happened, love. He'll get drunk and fumble around with you, and nothing will bloody happen. Next thing you know, he's all rainbows, unicorns, and fucking share. Yes, I can't say that, as I am myself a flaming queen. Also, before I came out as gay, I had a girlfriend, and we tried to have sex once, which ended badly. Let's just leave it there. So, I guess I'm not a gold star gay then, or even worse, a platinum gay. Get over yourselves, you little fucking douchebags, you're not that special. Now that I've pissed off the gays, it's time to continue pissing off the fucking horror community. As I slice into Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Lisa, who lives on the other side of the fucking tracks, aka the rich side of town, shows up to Jesse's door looking for a ride to school. I bet you are love, but you're back up the long tree there, hmm? So Jesse does so in his quote-unquote deadly dinosaur. A car that has a certain starting up procedure, which never returns. Hmm. And note, this car is a 1966 Dodge Dart GT convertible. Hmm. Anyway, at school, during a baseball game, do we meet Jesse's frenemy, Ron Grady? Now, I know his name was Ron, but his name was Grady. Anyway, played by Robert Russell, the school jock and town stud. Hmm. Jesse, watching Lisa talk to her best friend forever, Kerry, played by Sydney Walsh, as she asks if she's getting any nightly. Now, again, how long had Jesse been at this bloody well school if she, sort of, if he has a girlfriend and they're all talking about them having sex and la 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 la. I mean, this doesn't sound like a new kid to me. Anyway, Jesse, not paying attention to the game, takes Grady's balls to the face. A baseball as you dirty bastard. As it, 
as he hits a home run. I think it's a home run. Look, I've never played this game since bloody high school, so I don't give a fuck, frankly, if it's a wrong fucking thing I'm calling it. So, anyway, Jesse and another field player has Grady stuck on third and fourth base. So they fling the ball back and forth. Da 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 da. Grady has enough of that shit and bum rushes Jesse, pulling down his sweat parts. Sweatpants even, giving Lisa a view of his jockstrap covered ass. Grady and he fight in the grass, but when I say fight, I mean wrestle around. Yeah, because this gay stuff is fucking subtext, my Aunt Fanny. Up walks, walks Coach Snyder, played by Marshall Bell, to break it up. Much later, Grady tells Jesse Schneider is into pretty boys like him and hangs around leather gay bars at night, SM joints at that. As both are doing press ups in the scorching sun. Just as Billy Fim, and boom, the instant Bessies, because apparently all male P teachers are into SM and into leather fetish and such, and hmm, I don't see that my P teacher when I put him past him. Hmm. Anyway, cut to the locker room where Grady asks him if he lives in town. Again, how long have they been staying in this bloody house for? Hmm. Jesse tells him they're living in the 1428 L Street house. So here Grady tells him all about Nancy and the crazy shit she did. So it's urban legend, Nancy went insane, burned up her mum and then, I don't know, tried to burn down a house as she watched her boyfriend get murdered in his bed. Okay then, yet no one knows who Freddy is in this town. Hmm... So anyway, that night, Jesse can't sleep due to the heat, so goes downstairs to get a drink as he breaks a bottle of Oji over the floor. He says he sees Freddy outside in the bushes, so goes up to check it out. He sees Freddy burning shit in a boiler, boiler and retrieving his glove. Now one thing here, Freddy had his glove in the opening nightmare, so why is he getting it now? Hmm. Jesse goes down to the boiler to find out what's what, as Freddy attacks him, and here we get a good look at Freddy, played by Robert England's his new look, a quote-unquote male witch, as the makeup artist called it, with a crooked nose and a elongated chin with streaky burn scars, because spooky? And Q, you've got the body and I've got the brains! <laughs> As Freddy tears open his skull, showing Jesse his brains, screaming awake, dressed, drenched in sweat, and runs his mom and dad to shake him out, but he said he's fine, just leave and you'll go back to sleep. Uh, that's everything since you moved into this house. So, your son has been screamed awake every single night and every single morning. Get fucking help for him. Next day at school, Jesse falls asleep in class as he dreams of a large snake wrapping around his throat. So wouldn't you know it, Grady puts his snake around Jesse. And that joke doesn't really work, but moving on. As he wakes up, the teacher removes the snake from Jesse's neck. So was it actually a real snake or was it a nightmare snake? I mean, what the fuck happened here? And how the hell did, did um, Grady get across this, the, the classroom and nobody see him moving? And this is just messy. Cut to Lisa, swing in her pool. See, she's a rich bitch. As Jesse calls her to ask if he can go for a swim, she says yes. Again, how long have they been friends for? How long has he been in town for? Too bad old daddy dearest won't let Jesse go out for cleaning his room. Cue the most embarrassing dance ever put to screen. As Jesse danced around his room with Touch Me, played by Fonda Ray. Lisa walks in and he pops his streamer right in, just moving the fuck right on. 
and notes this dance scene was supposed to be inspired by Risky Business. Moving on swifter. I love the No Tricks Allowed sign on his bedroom door. Yeah, subtle gay text my ass. Anywho, and walks Lisa to help Jesse put away his shit. I'm loving the fact he has a game called Probe in his closet, because I bet she's been probed a lot in the closet. Here Lisa finds Nancy's diary, because, you know, you have time to write your thoughts and feelings down while fitting off a supernatural evil, hell-bent on killing all the teens in town and send you to fucking hell, but moving on. In which we find out it's five years later, making this 1989, not 1985. Here Lisa finds out about Freddy, uh, love you've been living in town, shouldn't you know all the town's dirty little secrets, indeed all the town's ghost stories. I mean, five years earlier, a teenage girl went insane and burned down a house, saying it was Freddy had done it. Yet you have no idea who Freddy is. Uh, messy writing. Anyway, she becomes obsessed with this diary as Jesse becomes possessed by Freddy. That night, an nightmare as Jesse wakes up to find items melting in the heat of his room. And I love the melting record slash vinyl. It's all very Salvador Dali. Jesse checks out the house, finding Freddy's glove in the boiler. Then Freddy comes out of the shadows to tell him to kill for him. Next day at school, Jesse tells Lisa he's sleepwalking as he found himself in the basement. She just thinks it's a premonition and thinks he's psychic. What the fuck would this come from? Why do you get the feeling she's one of these chicks that's into tarot card readings, crystals and spiritual healing, probably getting called by Miss fucking Cleo every fucking day for a daily reading for crying out loud. She asks for Nancy's diary, which of course Jesse has around with him constantly because why not? So she does some digging into Freddy and why couldn't Jesse do this one? Couldn't you go to the library or the hall records etc etc? Lazy fucking writing. Anyway, Kitty walks up to invite herself to Lisa's pool party that weekend. Cut to Jesse and Grady doing laps of the school for reasons where Jesse asks Grady, does he remember his nightmares or indeed his dreams? As Grady says, only his wet ones. This scene goes nowhere. Cut to the locker room as they are badmouthing Schneider and cue more press ups in the scorching sun. Is this fucking legal, by the way? Anyway, that night, Freddy possesses the pet Budgie, causing it to explode in midair after attacking the family. The fuck? Anyway, I love the fact that the dad blames the mum for buying cheap seeds. That sent the bird insane as it explodes my dear due to the heat in the place being 97 Fahrenheit or 36 Celsius. What in the fuck? Who wrote this crap? Then he blames Jesse, who wasn't anywhere near the fucking birds, for the bird exploding using a cherry bomb? What the fuck? This guy's a nut job. Later that night, another nightmare, Jesse wakes up, goes downstairs for a drink as lightning hits the dishes. So he goes to a gay bar where the coach finds him and takes him back to school, gets him to run laps and then showers. As you do, I mean. Hmm. Spot Bob Shea as the barman in full leather drag. Apparently went to all the, the gay joints in Los Angeles and bought leather fetish gear and such and had himself done in drag for some reason. Anyway, because, you know, every single 17-year-old boy goes into a, into a bar, is caught by their perfect teacher, then taken back to school to run laps, and you actually do that? I mean, right then. So, while Jesse is in the shower, Freddy attacks the coach by exploding balls to the face. He then ties him up with skipping rope, drags him to the showers, and whoops his ass with towels. You know, a typical Friday night stuff, you know. Before slicing him up in the shower with his claws... 
as Jesse screams awake, finding himself naked in a shower, wearing the glove. Uh, Karen. Caught wandering around the town naked, Jesse is returned home by the cops. His dad thinks he's on drugs. As next morning, the dad fixes bars back on the house because apparently bars will keep drugs away, you know. Oh my god, the writing. At school, it's a buzz with the coach's death. Gee, who did it? Hmm. I mean, there's bloody footprints everywhere leading to and from the crime scene. Yet, the cops find a fucking naked teen covered in blood wandering around the place and put, don't put two and two together. These fucking cops in Springwood are fucking useless. Oh my god. Anyway, that's night. Another nightmare. This time, Jesse walks around the house, finding Freddy's gloves, mo- glove rather, moving around itself in a drawer, and his little sister dressed as a jump rope girl, singing one, two. Creepy as shit, you will agree. Next morning, Jesse asks his dad how he had got the house for so cheap. Also, how did it take five years to sell? Then tells him of the killing in the house, which sparks fear into the mum and indeed the sister. The dad then shoots Jesse down, telling him there is nothing wrong with this house. Cue the toaster exploding, it isn't even plugged in. Yeah, mate, young priest and old priest time, this place is haunted and or possessed. Because, uh, by the way, how did the mum not realise that the house has been lying empty for five years and had they got the house so cheap and why the place is falling to pieces and blah 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 blah. Bad fucking writing, I'm guessing. Anyway, arriving to school, Lisa tells Jesse all what she found on Freddy to get him to his old power plant job to the boiler room. Because apparently this is the boiler room where Freddy took his victims. She tells him Freddy killed 20 kids in the boiler room. Then she tries to get him to connect with Freddy's spirit because she thinks he's psychic and nothing happens. Back home, the boiler sparks up as Freddy's ghost roams the house finding Jesse as he possesses him and tries to get him to kill his little sister. Cue stay awake pills and coke, the suffering that is not the bloody drug. Next morning, Jesse looks like shit, yet his mother says he looks much, much better. He looks well rested. Yeah, love. Driving Lisa to school, Jesse tells her his dad thinks he's on drugs and his mum thinks he's completely insane. Um, okay then. Because apparently he hasn't slept well in multiple weeks, therefore he would be fucking insane. Because uh, sleep deprivation goes makes you go do lolly. But moving on. At lunch, Grady invites Jesse over to his house to hang out, telling Kerry he can't go to Lisa's party. So is he the secret gay then? Hmm. So that weekend, it's pool party time at Lisa's. And note, this is why Wes Kevin says no to this entire idea. Hated the thought of Freddy in daylight. And indeed, he was bloody well right. This looks ridiculous, except it's not daylight, it's night time. But let's just fudge it. Anyway, Lisa and Jesse fall around in the pool house. Uh, too bad Freddy takes over his tongue as elongates out of Jesse's mouth and purves on Lisa's tits. Terrified, Jesse runs off to Grady's house where he begs to spend the night in Grady's bed. Freddy, however, takes over Jesse's body as Jesse makes too close to Grady, so kills his friend in one of the weirdest, grossest transformations this side of of. American Werewolf in London. As Freddy bursts through Jesse's body and literally just drops the prone body behind him in pieces. So, now covered in blood, Jesse returns to Lisa, 
warning Lisa to stay away from him, but she doesn't want to listen as Freddy takes him over yet again. She fights him off with a knife, screaming, Jesse, I love you! So Freddy bites her in the ankle. Then he smashes through the French windows to scare the teens. Cue, you're all my children now. <laughs> God, it's a terrible Freddy. And I love Fred. I mean, I may not love Freddy's new look, but I love his new glove. It's nice for fingernails that should have been brought back. I love that glove. It's just so cool. Much better than the homemade one. Well, that one is kind of terrifying itself. I'm loving the fact that Jesse screams, He's inside me! And he wants to take me again! Yeah, we've all been there. Tell me again, this isn't a gay movie? Hmm. With a few teens dead and the rest physically, fucking psychologically scarred, Freddy walks into the bushes as it explodes into fire. So did the teens see Jesse or Freddy? Was this an insane shirtless Jesse with Freddy's glove? Or indeed, was it Freddy? Hmm, nothing for that, however, as Lisa follows Freddy slash Jesse to the boiler room, where she sees two dogs wearing human faces for reasons, as a demon cat eats a demon mouse for other reasons. Then, Freddy has her wound uh, bleed and itch. She looks down and sees it's crawling with ants, and then she looks down again and it's not, as Freddy plays mind games with her. She if you makes her feel like she's falling, she's not actually falling, and etc, etc. So, Freddy sits in the boiler room, Lisa kisses Freddy, he burns up. Jesse comes out of the ashes, the two hug, as you know, the power of love kills Freddy. Next morning, on the school bus, Jesse has bandaged wounds, and Kitty tells him, it's all over! As Freddy's glove bursts out of her chest. Now, my main problem with this movie is it's all fine and dandy um, until he goes to college, gets drunk and sleeps with his male roommate and she's dumped because she's a fucking idiot thinking that she could change this gay guy but moving on. Uh, so critics roll on this thing. That was a Freddy's Revenge, a rushed out sequel and having a male final girl. This isn't as bad as it could have been however. Sure Freddy's new look is fucking horrible. The power of love of a good woman makes Jesse quote-unquote straight. Uh, I got a problem with that one right there. But the effects are good in this one, practical as they are. The script, however, makes no fucking sense. And for instance, how long have they been in this town for? Why does nobody know who Freddy is? And why does the police not investigate Jesse? I mean, hmm. Did everyone see Jesse or Freddy? Was this Jesse or Lisa's nightmare? Why not have Jesse just been gay all along? Hmm. Anyway, I'm going to go sing a 6 out of 10. So I'll come back next week as I look at You're Killing Me, which is a bizarre um, gay spin on Dexter, apparently. Then wrapping it up will be The Seed of Chucky. Don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's a Johnny's Appoint. Check out my other horror franchise podcast of House, Hellraiser, Resident Evil and more. Also my solo podcast of A Nightmare on Street 3, Child's Play, Night of the Demon and more. A Bye, and remember, I watch these movies so you don't have to. Now, if they have one killer party, bye.